Wake up in the morning, make your two sloppy eggs Find a piece of cheese and put it on some bread Have a cup of joe and the next thing that you know It's time for you to hit the road Make my day I like it in the morning Make my day And even in the afternoon Make my day Sometimes in the evening Make my day And even when I'm sleeping too Make my All right, everybody, I'd like to welcome you back to Make My Day. I'm your host, Marcus Brown. Today we have something a little bit different. I know we do a lot of lighthearted stuff all the time, you know, joking around, skipping through the, the park, having a great time. But, you know, we are still going through a global style pandemic kind of life. And uh, it's time to think about that a little bit. Uh, I just saw, I read New York Times uh, said 40 million people have filed jobless claims in the United States as of today. That's a lot, considering there's, I think there's only like 200 something million working adult type people. So that's a, that's a whatever number, 20%, I don't know, it's a lot of numbers. So I wanted to bring someone on uh, to help with that a little bit, maybe get you get some ideas going in your head. Maybe you want to start a business. Maybe you've been trying to start a business for a long time. Maybe you have a business. It's none of my business. Uh, so we have today Max Kerwick of the Brand Builder Podcast, who's going to chat with us about building a brand, uh, physical products, all sorts of interesting stuff. I found it really interesting, and hopefully you get something out of it too. How are you guys doing? You doing okay? We're thinking about moving out of New York. I think we're going to go back to Austin, um, which is a big deal. Uh, Austin's hot. It's hotter than New York. It's also bigger. There's more space there. Sometimes you got a yard. We don't have a yard. We have a, a roof, uh, but most buildings have roofs. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, I was born in Texas, which is good. So my Texas blood might enjoy being back in Texas. Uh, yeah, but New York, you know, we're gonna miss we're gonna miss how beautiful the trash is when it's uh, when the sunlight's hitting it in the right way and the rats are posing for you. Um, but seriously, it's a little bittersweet to to leave. I love being here a lot, and I love all the people that I've met and who have become my friends. Um, but hopefully, eventually, we can come back, maybe on like a on a vacation. I can be uh, one of those tourists in Times Square walking around saying hi to Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, getting getting free CDs from the guys that come up to you and they give you a free CD and you say thanks a bunch. And then once they give it to you, they say, it's $5. It's not free. It's also that there's some monks that do the same thing. They give you beads and you're like, wow, thank you so much. And they're like, it's $5. And you're like, why did you give it to me already? So, but in all seriosity, I am going to miss New York. I love New York. Uh, it's a wonderful place. And as, as one of my neighbors said, you know, Marcus, New York's not going anywhere because it can't go anywhere because it's a city. And I said, that's a good point. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hit some sports. Sports are actually doing pretty well. Uh, we have the NBA bubble that's been going on for a little while and uh, college football just came back uh it's a little odd uh not having a lot of the fans at any of these events uh but you know a little bit of a, a sense of return to some normalcy uh you know watching the guys get together and uh play play some games 
So we got a great interview with Max Kerwick coming up, uh, but first, why don't we take a message from one of our sponsors? Hello, I'm Governor Andrew Cuomo. I want to welcome you to come to New York. New York is a great place. It can't do anything right now, but it would be good to do it eventually. You're gonna come here, you're gonna have a, a cazzoli, a pizzoli, a fazoli's pizza. You could have anything you want. New York, the city of dreams. Come take a nap. Come on, hang out with us over here in the great New York. That was a nice song. Uh, I've always liked uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and I think that he was a nice guy while we were there, and while we uh, we wish everybody well. I appreciate him uh, giving us a little send-off of sorts, um, uh, being a sponsor on this episode. Uh, so without further uh, ado, oh, I guess we have one more sponsor um, today, and that is Purell, the hand gel that helps clean up the coronaviruses from your fingertips, and it's going to keep you nice and safe. So uh, thanks to the guys at Purell, the gals at Purell, and everybody at Purell, and uh, yeah, why don't you get you some? Squirt a, squirt a, squirt a bit for me today. These hands... Hands of a man covered in dirt and viruses. One squirt, and you can tell that these hands are now clean as hell. Purell. Purell, the clean as hell gel. Competitively priced at $49.99. All right, everybody. Today we have Max Kerwick on the show. He's the host of the Brand Builder podcast. Uh, Max, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's Austin? Is it hot? Oh, it's hot as hell, man. It is hot as hell. And I have to say, the heat and my pregnant wife do not mix well at all. So we are spending a lot of time indoors these days. Yeah. Do you have those? uh, Do you have central AC or are you rocking some window units? Oh, no, we are Central AC. I refuse to live anywhere that does not have Central AC down here. Yeah, especially if you're podcasting, you know, those things are a little bit too noisy. They'll get picked up on on those microphones. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So cool, man. So uh, for the audience, full disclosure, me and Max have known each other, uh, I guess, since like elementary school, right? I think we were on a soccer team, right, at some point? Yeah, we were definitely on a soccer team. I was like, I think my dad was the coach on a soccer team. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I found, uh, I found you, uh, on the face of the brand builder podcast cover. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is max. I should reach out and say, Hey, what's up? And you did. And I did. Yeah. Which is pretty easy. <laughs> and now we're here. This and is now great. We're, we're here. So I, you know, I'm always looking for new ways to, uh, make money. Uh, you know, I'm, I love the entrepreneurial spirit and I think, I've I've been watching a lot of people over the years doing this online, and I I always uh, I always feel like well I I don't know what what the secret is. Sometimes it feels like people are just selling uh, courses that teach people how to sell courses that teach people how to sell courses to people trying to buy courses. Um, and uh, I don't know for whatever reason I I just always felt pretty stuck. Um, but I was I've I've been interested in what uh, you guys have been doing. You're working with uh, Ryan Moran at capitalism.com right and um y'all are helping people build brands and physical products so yeah why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the brand builder podcast and what you're doing in general 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I totally echo the point that you just made on like a lot of times there's this whole community of people online that are like, here's how you make money on the internet. Yeah. And it just, it's so fucking scammy. I hope I can say that by the way. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's super scammy. It feels super weird. Um, it, it never really feels like there's a real exchange of value happening. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, here's how I con someone into paying me two grand or $200 yeah. or 2,997 and 97 cents, you know, uh-huh. to, to join my course and my mastermind and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so my focus really is on helping people build, uh, what I would consider as a true brand, like something, uh, built around physical products that can exist across multiple channels, not just on Amazon or something like that, but combination of Amazon selling on their website, selling into retail, um, something that is built around an actual human being and a customer that they want to serve. Yeah. Um, and then something that has the potential to grow into like a real asset that someone could sell for, uh, you know, for a substantial payday and a, and a substantial exit. So not this kind of like pursuing short-term sales, not uh, how much money can I convince people to hand over to me before they realize that, you know, this is a shitty product or something like that, but really focusing on building a real company and leveraging, you know, all these exciting things, um, you know, like Amazon, like e-commerce, things like that, um, that have really like lowered the barrier to start a business like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, over the past couple of years. And so I have a consulting business where I work with, you know, kind of mid-sized brands, like people who are already in the seven figures trying to go to eight figures. And then, um, I really wanted a way, like, I've had people ask me for course type content before. Uh-huh. Um, and I just, I don't like that model. I don't like the kind of feeling associated with it. And so that is what really inspired the podcast was, okay, how can I take this knowledge that I'm able to give my clients and put it out there for people who are maybe not quite ready to, you know, invest at the level that's needed for consulting or, you know, they're still a little ways away or they're just getting started. Um, you know, I wanted to give them guidance and, tactics and, and things like that and things that, that would help them kind of get to that point where then, you know, hopefully they get to that level and then, then they're ready to work with me. But. Sure. So how did you get started in this? Um, honestly, I would love to say it was like some sort of grand plan, but really just kind of dumb luck. Yeah. Um, I was in a space working on brands primarily in the tech space. I mean, you're from Austin, you know, yeah. Austin's got a great tech scene, a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, apps and software companies and things like that. And I was working in that area and then got introduced to Ryan through a mutual friend probably like three years ago Mm -hmm. and just kind of found this whole world that I didn't even know existed of, you know, these relatively small uh, product brands that were, you know, kind of growing very quickly from nothing to a couple million dollars a year. And, um, you know, a lot of opportunity there for them. Mm-hmm. but not a lot of people who were thinking about things the way that I did. Yeah. And so, um, just again, kind of dumb luck, but, you know, got into these circles, started meeting a lot of people, uh, started having, you know, kind of opportunities that came out of that. And then that's what started the consulting business. After I started the consulting business again, there's like a lot more people that I wanted to, to be able to help. And so then started the podcast, but you know, again, it was, it was mainly through meeting Ryan and, and kind of coming into the circle that way. So do you want to kind of take us through maybe the life cycle of building a product, ideating a product, finding your audience, your customer base, making that product, selling that product, maybe a distillation of that? 
Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people think of it as like, oh, I'm going to find a product to sell Mm -hmm. and then figure out who to sell it to. And I I actually think that's kind of going about it backwards. Like Mm -hmm. that's a lot of, you know, people who are more kind of like inventors and things like that, they'll kind of, you know, mess around and they'll create something. And then you kind of go through this whole stage of like finding product market fit. Like, okay, who's, who's actually going to buy this? Yeah. Um, but from like a brand building perspective and, and for a lot of these companies, right? Like most of the people who are listening to this, um, if you're considering starting a product business, you're not going to go like invent the, the next iPhone or something yeah. like that. Right. You're probably going to take something that already exists and create kind of a new variation of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're in, if you're selling makeup or skincare or something like that, you're not going to created a totally new product that no one's ever seen before. You're going to, you know, make the clean version of something that already exists with natural ingredients and more sustainably sourced and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, I, I actually think that it's easier to start with who is the person that you want to serve mm-hmm. and what is the problem that you want to solve for them. Yeah. And then you can start to look at, okay, what are the products that I can sell that would help me do that? Yeah. Um, and so I, I generally think that that's the easiest place to start. Um, and, you know, as far as process goes, like I really like, I'm a huge fan of going out and just like talking to as many people as possible yeah. and asking them kind of open-ended questions about, you know, like, okay, if I think I want to solve a problem for new moms, right? Like my wife is, my wife and I are expecting a baby July 1st. Mm-hmm. So like there's this whole world of things that like you have no fucking clue what you're doing. Yeah. Right. There are so many things, problems that you've never even thought of, situations that you've never even considered. Right. And you're at this point in life, probably uniquely open to new products and brands coming into your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're like, I have never fucking thought about this. I need something to help solve this problem. Um, I'm doing research on a million other things. I would love for someone to just come along and kind of tell me what to do here. Yeah. Right. And so I think, you know, that's a situation where there's a huge amount of opportunity to say, okay, what can I do to help solve this problem? Um, you know, for this person who is actively looking for guidance, who is actively looking for value and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, is that and, because they're, yeah, they're and, already motivated to take action? Yeah, exactly. And, and ultimately that's the power of Amazon. That's why you see a lot of people promoting Amazon as a place to start because you are catching someone very, very, very far down the decision tree, right? They're, okay. they're basically decided, Hey, I'm going to make a purchase. Now I'm just trying to decide what I'm going to buy. Yeah. Um, you know, versus if you're just trying to catch someone on Facebook or in a store or something like that, you're kind of more, you, you've got to nurture them down the funnel a little bit more. Yeah. Um, well, I've heard, yeah. I've heard you guys talk about, uh, sort of reframing, um, the process like you just did where the customer is sort of the hero, right? We're, we're, uh, exactly. flipping it around. And I think that it's it would be really easy for the entrepreneur to either look at themselves as the hero or their product as as the focus right a hundred percent and and that is like number one issue or, or I, li- I like the word that you use there reframing it mm-hmm. because people come in and, and a lot of times especially in this business especially if the goal is what you described like making money on the internet yeah right usually the motivation is i want to get out of my shitty job I want to be able to spend more time with my kids. Yeah. Like it's all about your personal journey and your journey to kind of this like personal financial freedom, which is great. And I think that everybody should have that goal. Yeah. But you should also recognize that the customer at the end of the day does not give a shit about your journey and your goal. They Mm -hmm. only care about it as it relates to them. Mm -hmm. Right. 
like we don't buy stuff because like it's going to help someone else achieve personal financial freedom right we buy stuff because what it's going to do for us and ultimately like the best brands say something about the people who buy them right yeah um you know nike apple whatever like i know something different about you if you walk in the room with an iphone than if you walk in with an android mm-hmm. right like that that's a way of signaling mm-hmm. and so I really think that, you know, for someone who's really trying to build a brand and not just some business that might cash flow in the short term, um, you know, really deciding like, who is that person that I want to serve and like, what do I want it to say about them as a person that they buy from me instead of anyone else? I love that, that way of putting it. I think that's really useful. Probably the next roadblock that I get into mentally is, okay, what if I come up with that person, that group, and I envision what they need, come up with a product idea. How do you actually manifest that? How do you physically manufacture something that's different? Are you focusing a lot on private label things or like drop ship or or actually making original products and selling those? Um, I think for anyone that is really serious about this, you need to have the mindset of like, I need to get to, you know, some sort of unique product or at least a product that I can market as unique. Yeah. Um, I think that using private label as a starting place is perfectly okay. Especially, you know, if you're starting with a limit, you know, if you don't have a hundred grand to put into this right off the bat, like the chance that you're going to be able to build something totally unique right off you know, right from the start is, is very low, right? Like it, yeah. it'll cost you just, it'll cost you 10 K just to make a unique mold that your manufacturer can use. Right. Even just to make the product look different. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I think private label is okay. I really don't think that you can build a brand with drop shipping as the starting point. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're really trying to build a relationship with customers, right? Which is ultimately what a brand is. Um, you know, you're not going to do that with four to five week ship times from China. You're not going to do that with shitty, um, unbranded products that aren't what they expect, you know, okay. and, and the margins on that are, are just microscopic. So, so you're probably dro- not even going to make enough money doing drop shipping to actually like reinvest in the business and get to private label. Whereas okay. I've seen many, like, I haven't seen many people do that. Where they're like, I started on drop shipping, made my way up to private label, made my way up to unique products. Like that progression almost never works. To clarify, drop ship is like, I'm going to sell like unbranded stuff just on an Amazon page and hope that people get to it or pick it kind of. Um, so typically what drop shipping is, is I'm going to throw up a Facebook ad for this product, uh-huh. tell you that it's enormously discounted. Like I'm going to use, I've been following these videos on this guy um, who's like, he has all these videos on make all this money with drop shipping. And I made $20 million in a year and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he's selling like fake leather jackets and shit claiming nice. they're leather, but they're actually polyurethane, um, you know, plastic jackets from China cool. it takes five weeks to ship. Um, and they just like fall apart immediately. Yeah. Um, so like, that's the typical drop shipping model is, it's all about extracting value from your customers and not giving them opportunities to get that money back if oh wow they don't like the product like it's it it feels very scammy and there are people who who do an okay job with it and, and things like that but it's just not a sustainable business model in my opinion yeah um a lot of people who sell on Amazon specifically will do private label in a way that kind of feels like drop shipping in the sense that they never actually have the product like in their home or like in a, in a warehouse or something like that. Like they never actually 
hold it yeah have possession of the product that shipped directly from manufacturer to amazon or like amazon warehouses sure but that is different to me because you know you're owning you know a thousand units of the product it's being held in an amazon warehouse so that it can be shipped more efficiently but that's just a distribution model it's not um you know true dropping drop shipping is yeah exactly you, you never own the product you just send it straight uh, when someone's someone buys it so so you think that private label is a decent way of getting started if you don't have the capital to invest yeah absolutely and and i've seen a lot of people who start with private label use that to gain customers to start that relationship use that to learn more about the product right because a lot of times through that and through the reviews that you get back and all that kind of stuff you start to figure out like hey here's something that i could do that would actually like improve this and then you can work with your man- manufacturer who at that point you have a relationship with. Um, so they'll give you better pricing and more flexible terms and things like that to actually make that next version of the product that's your own version that is custom, that is superior and, and all that kind of stuff. And that to me is kind of the best case evolution. So you can start with the manufacturer private labeling and evolve that relationship into something more unique? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, let's say you know, you start out in skincare um, and uh-huh. you have a skincare product and it's just, you know, it's like a vitamin C serum or something like that. It's something that they make for a lot of other people. Um, but you roll it out, you have some success. People are buying it. People are giving you some feedback that, hey, it's great. It works really well, but it's like a little greasy, right? Mm-hmm. And you spend that time looking at, okay, what are ingredients that I can add to this that will make it stay effective, but, um, you know, will take away that greasiness and will make it absorb better, sure. right? That's a pretty minor update, but it's gonna, people are, you know, it might take you from a four-star product to a five-star product, and it'll make you stand out from the other people who are just selling the same thing, same private labeled thing that your, your manufacturer is selling to everyone, right? So that's uh-huh. those, those kind of incremental improvements that make it uniquely yours, um, but allow you to kind of build to that point and don't require you to have a shitload of money up front. When I think about private label, I think about like you just mentioned, you know, beauty, skincare, and then like supplements. Is there anything else that fits in that that world? Um, so literally anything can be private labeled. So, huh. you know, you can have private labeled TV mounts, you can have private label um, uh-huh. electronics, you can have private label furniture, you can have literally anything that is a standard design that you don't have to do any um, actual, you know, kind of production or engineering design or, you know, custom mold or anything like that it's most common like that phrase is most commonly used for supplements and skincare because that's how it was created yeah you know that literally the phrase of like just switch the label off <laughs> yeah. right um but yeah i mean you can do private label anything literally anything uh the only difference is and the reason like i prefer to work in like consumable categories so things that people buy multiple times yeah. because i think it's a lot easier to form a relationship with the customer and mm-hmm. get them coming back. Um, but that being said, um, most of those categories, consumables are made in the U S because they have to be, uh, cause they usually go on your skin or in your body or whatever. Gotcha. Um, and so they're usually a little bit more expensive, but you have shorter lead times, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, any of these other things that I've mentioned, furniture, TV mounts, whatever it is, those usually ship from China. Um, so, Right now, you're probably looking at a disrupted supply chain, but before that, you know, you're like literally buying stuff and it takes six weeks to ship on a boat and 
Yeah. You know, it's it's a little bit more of a, a, a process there as well. So, yeah, I've been taking a lot of this time to talk about that kind of like exploding it out physically and understanding those steps. But uh, you specialize in building brands. So do you want to talk about why that's your focus and why that's so valuable to have a powerful brand? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it comes down to a couple of different things. But um, like the reason that, you know, I kind of dork out and get so excited about brand is because I really think that brands are part of how we kind of tell the story about our lives, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, talk about the everyone's a hero, the, a hero in their own story, right? Uh, we can't go around saying, you know, I'm the cool guy when you walk into a room, right? You can't go around saying, I'm the cool guy, I'm the cool guy, I'm the cool guy. You can't go around <laughs> saying, I'm the dedicated mom, I'm a dedicated mom, I'm a dedicated mom, Yeah. right? But like, if you drive a Volvo and you've got, you know, the expensive stroller brand and, and all this kind of stuff, that's a way for you to say, I'm a dedicated mom without having to yell at the top of your lungs whenever you walk in a room, Yeah. right? You know, the leather jacket and the, you know, the Ray-Ban Wayfarers and the helm boots, like, you know, you walk into a room, you can say, I'm a cool guy without shouting at the top of your lungs, Yeah. right? And brands are an important part of the way that we tell the story about ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. And like, that's really fucking exciting to me. Like, yeah. that's really cool. And that's ultimately the thing that makes businesses more valuable. So I see this all the time with people who just build a business selling kind of a random collection of products on Amazon, right? They might build a business that does like two to $5 million a year in revenue, Mm -hmm. but they can't find anyone to buy it. They try to sell that business afterwards. They've spent three, four years working on it. Mm. And everybody looks at it and they're kind of like, okay, I can see how that makes money. But if I take you out of the equation, what do I really have? I don't have any customers that I can reach out to. I've got products that have rank because they've been there historically and they've got a lot of reviews and stuff like that. But if anything goes wrong, I'm gonna have to bust my ass trying to just maintain the sales that I have. There's not really any growth potential. Yeah. Versus, hey, I've got this brand that has a really clear focus that is for someone clearly and they have a collection of those customers, right? And it's really fucking obvious what story is that they're trying to tell like that is a foundation that you can build almost anything off of right uh-huh. and that's why those businesses are worth so much more when they try to sell them so that's that's what got me into it originally um i really like that storytelling aspect um i really like kind of the consumer psychology aspect of it like i love talking to people yeah. and just trying to understand like what their life is like and what they're trying to accomplish and, and how that brand fits into that mm-hmm. um and I don't know. I, I think a lot of people don't think about it that way. They think about it in terms of, okay, what's the dollar opportunity of this product if I were to launch it on this channel and spend this much amount of money um, promoting it? And like that's an important part of the equation too. Uh, but the the companies that do really well and end up being very valuable have kind of both sides of that. Yeah. So you're taking a lot of your uh, clients and positioning them to one day sell that brand, or is that a secondary focus or? kind of an optional focus it's kind of optional you know i i love working with people who have no intention of ever selling the business yeah like that's awesome but it's also pretty rare like most people part of the attraction of building a business like this is that it is um valuable and interesting to people Mm -hmm. so you know big companies like the uh, i think a famous example right is like dollar shave club okay like dollar shave club was its own business and they had that you know awesome kind of video commercial or whatever it was that came out right? That was really funny and went viral. And, you know, they were like a hundred million dollar company and then they sold to Unilever for a billion dollars. Wow. And that's because Unilever is like fucking massive 
it's not that they don't have the resources to go and build some sort of clone of Dollar Shave Club. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's easier and more valuable for them to just buy that innovation instead of doing it internally. Yeah. And so there's this big trend in physical products specifically of like essentially getting rid of their R&D departments and buying these small brands instead that they can instantly make bigger by plugging into their supply chain, by plugging into their distribution, by using their marketing to activate it. And so like that's part of the play. Like yeah. um, for people who are really kind of thinking about this, you know, galaxy brain style, it's, um, you know, you have the short-term cash flow opportunity of building these brands and actually, you know, making money on a month to month basis because people are buying your shit. But then, you know, if you actually go through that brand building process, like that's the potentially life-changing money there. Like that exit on the other side for someone that says, hey, I can take what you've built and make it even more valuable and I'm willing to pay you a really nice multiple for that. That's when you get the sum of money that you're like, okay, cool. Like I can take a couple years off or I don't have to worry about my retirement or yeah. potentially I don't have to work again. What do you think about that sort of ecosystem? Is this a new trend due to these infrastructures existing that lower the barrier to entry for individuals to get into business? Whereas like people are able to start these things, come up with ideas, have success, and then kind of be purchased by larger brands. Yeah, like I don't think Dollar Shave Club starts because they're like, we want to take on the big corporate giants. Yeah. Dollar Shave Club starts because the process of buying razors is bullshit, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's like, okay, cool. It's like locked behind plexiglass and I got to go get the guy to come grab it so I can get the fucking four pack and go back to my house and pay, you know what, or like 20 bucks for it. It's bullshit. It's super expensive. Yeah. It's a huge pain in the ass. That's bullshit. I think we can do it better, right? Yeah. Like, that's why it starts and then it becomes something you, you change the consumer experience you change consumer expectations and then it ends up being like hey unilever would actually be a great partner for this they have more resources we can hire better people we can you know do all this stuff offer better benefits um you know more easily scale internationally yeah you know all the kind of benefits that a big company has and the big company is saying like great we didn't have to come up with this idea ourselves and yeah. spend a gazillion dollars and threaten our existing business, you know, mm -hmm. deal with the internal politics and stuff like that. We can just acquire it. Yeah. So I think that it is partially because the barrier to entry has been lowered, uh -huh. but it's also just this kind of macro trend of things getting more niche. Yeah. So you think about like music, right? Like we wouldn't have a pop star that's as big as like Michael Jackson now. Yeah. Like there isn't that kind of music monoculture. People kind of divide into these subgenres and stuff like that yeah. and, and TV shows, right? Like the most popular show on TV gets like 10 million less viewers a week than the most popular show did in, in 1990 yeah, or yeah. whatever. And, and I think the same kind of thing is happening with products where people are like, there's just more variety. Audiences are more niche because there's, you know, I guess probably because the internet and kind of the diffusion of information and things like that, whatever. Because of that, brands can't keep up from an innovation perspective. They can't keep building these things for these really niche audiences. It's too expensive and too scattershot and stuff like that. So instead, they can just buy these things that are kind of proven uh, for an audience they might not understand internally and then go from there. It's like an expanding way for people to express themselves. Exactly. You know, and I think a really interesting uh, sub-niche for me is like looking at all the um, hair care products that are specifically for women who have curly hair. 
Yeah. That is an audience that has existed forever. There are uh-huh. not more women that have curly hair now than they did before. But previously, there weren't products. Like, that wasn't a mainstream acceptable thing to have curly hair. Mm-hmm. Like, curly hair, women with naturally curly hair, black women, Puerto Rican women, whatever, mm-hmm. were encouraged to straighten their hair to make it look more white, to make it look more kind of, quote, unquote, socially acceptable or professional, uh-huh. right? And now there's this whole kind of subculture in social media, in uh, products and things like that, just kind of servicing this whole in- market that was just kind of ignored before. Yeah. And I guarantee you there's going to start being acquisitions in that area because these brands are just blowing up. These women feel seen in a way that they haven't before. They feel accepted. They feel like they're part of a community that they always knew existed, but you know wasn't shown in mainstream. And so th- I feel like there's a million examples of that kind of across different product things, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's why it's cool to me because people get to tell a story that feels like it fits as opposed to trying to fit themselves into a story that kind of matches the mainstream. That almost just seems like a useful framework to be inspired to come up with something, you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. And I would recommend, you know, if you're looking at something like this, like anything that you're thinking about selling, like go find whatever the most active Facebook group is for that niche. Yeah. Right. Or for people who talk about that kind of stuff and like, just go in there and like fucking dive in. Like you don't even need to participate to start, but like join the group, listen, fucking dive into these conversations, look at what people post. Yeah. Like, and you'll start to figure out like, okay, this is what people are looking for. Um, you know, this is what people care about. This is how these people talk. Uh Like even that kind of stuff, just like being able to sound like you're a member of the group and, and things like that will just help you in, 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 honestly, in better serving them, right? Like I use the curly hair example because my wife is uh, Puerto Rican and she had uh, chemically straightened hair for a really long time Uh and, you know, kind of is growing her natural hair out. But it's crazy seeing these products and the communities that they're able to build. I mean, there's so much passion and there's so much like, you know, gazillion comments. And I guarantee all of these brands basically started out as private label and then customize the ingredients based on what they found worked for curly hair. Like yeah. I guarantee you that was the path. And now they've built these really vibrant communities around their products and around kind of this sense of identity for curly hair. And, and I just think it's really powerful. Yeah. Max, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Do you want to talk about where people can find you, where they can find the podcast? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just look up brand builder podcast on, um, it's on the capitalism network, but if you, you know, you can find it on Spotify or Apple podcasts, wherever wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And, and yeah, if you're, if you're interested in starting a brand again, I tend to work with, um, you know, with brands that are kind of at that seven figure level, trying to go up to eight figures. Yeah. But I really like talking to people and working with people who are just starting out. Like, I think this is a great opportunity. I think there's this kind of unique wealth transfer happening from bigger companies to smaller companies to the entrepreneurs that run those small companies. Mm-hmm. And so if this is something you're interested in, if you're listening to this and you want guidance or help, like I always love to jump on the phone with people for 30 minutes. So just reach out to me. My email is max at brandbuilderstrategy.com. Happy to, uh, to set up a call. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to have to do it. And I really appreciate you coming back and uh, listening to Make My Day. If you guys want to keep in touch, send me an email at makemydayshow at gmail.com. 
I will answer your phone calls there. And yeah, I hope you guys have a good one. Thanks. Bye-bye. Wake up in the morning, make you two sloppy eggs. Find a piece of cheese and put it on some bread. Have a cup of joe and the next thing that you know, it's time for you to hit the road. Make my day. I like it in the morning. Make my day. And even in the afternoon. Make my day. Sometimes in the evening. Make my day. And even when I'm sleeping too, make my People get to tell a story that feels like it fits as opposed to trying to fit themselves into a story.